The word of God that comes to, the, to us today is from St. Paul who says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Comma. You may be seated. Well, today I'm going to tell you about my favorite comma, I think, in all the Bible. I just mentioned it, and we'll mention it towards the end. Before we get there, I just want to share with you, uh, I don't know who made this famous, but a guy named Jahari, maybe it was a girl. Jahari, is, and he came up with this thing about how we see ourselves, and what others can see and what we can't see. And so it's called this Jahari window. All right, so, so that you can go home having learned something, everyone say, Jahari window. Don't you feel smart? You're like, no, because I don't know what it means. You will feel smart. It's like this. There's four quadrants, right? There's, there's four areas. And this, this top one, it's what, what others see about you and what you see about you. It's your public persona. Look around. This is what people know of you. So it's this one. And the other quadrant, it's what you see of yourself, but no one else sees, right? This is the hidden self, right? It's those things that you did that no one knows about. Right, you're really good at hiding those things, right? Can you think of things in that area? Right, now let's go to this area over here. This is the area that others can see of you, but you can't see. This is the area where like, you know what? You thought you were good at hiding stuff, but I know you're a dirty, rotten, thieving uh, uh, scoundrel, right? It's that area, right? Do you think that area is, exists? Do people see things about you that you don't see? All right, okay, very good. I just want to make sure that you're all human, right? And lastly, there's this one. This quadrant is the quadrant that you can't see, and neither can anybody else. It's hidden. Well, it's mostly hidden. There's one who sees, and that everyone is God. God sees those things that you can't see about yourself and that others can't see about yourself. Those are the four quadrants we're going to be thinking about today. This is the Jahari window. Now you can go home. And, um, and now you know something really smart. Okay. Well, before we get into our text and why I mentioned the Jahari window is just this. The ancient church, I guess the church fathers, we could say, they would describe, you've heard of leprosy, right? right? A skin disease. It's in the Bible. Jesus uh, heals the man with leprosy. You're not supposed to go around them. If you have leprosy, you're supposed to say unclean, unclean, so no one else gets leprosy, Right? The church fathers described us, even those in the church, as those with leprosy. And they're not, they weren't talking like you're unclean so much, but something else about leprosy, which I think is true of all of us. They said that leprosy not only kind of ruins your skin, it ruins your nerve endings. Right? Think about how bad that is. If you ever had a surgery and you can't feel whatever part that is that they got operated on, it's like that to the extreme. So someone could, you know, stomp on your foot, and you wouldn't feel it. You could cut your hand open, and you wouldn't know unless you looked. Right? You lose all sense of feeling. You are no longer connected to reality. That thing that you think you know about yourself, it's not true. Right? Others can see it, but you can't see it. Right? Um, so that, think of that image of losing reality. We could say it's like our conscience. Think about your conscience for a minute. Does it always tell you reliably what is right? Sometimes it loses its nerve endings where, you know, uh, you've, you're sick. You're spiritually sick. And that thing that you're doing that's totally wrong, 
your conscience no longer tells you because it's been numbed to it. It's sick. So I say all that to, to join Jesus here. And he's telling us that we're worse off than we think. But it's not all bad news. Take a look at, open up your, your uh, bulletin. Everything you'll need today is on these two pages. And we'll kind of refer to almost everything on this page in the next couple minutes. Jesus in Luke chapter 8, this is the gospel reading. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And they treated others with contempt, right? So Jahari Window, like, all right, uh, everyone can see that these people are not good. Um, but let me ask you, why do you think Jesus is telling this parable? Why do you think Jesus is telling this parable? This is the teacher pause where you just wait as long as it takes until someone is brave. Well, what are the options? One is Jesus wants to get in the face of the Pharisees and say, you know good people, you're so proud. Just wants to put them in their place. That's one option, right? Maybe there's a time and place for that. I don't think that's the only reason. I think Jesus cares about those Pharisees. He's definitely telling this to Pharisees. He even includes a Pharisee in it. I think he wants them to change. I think he wants them to see differently. He knows the hidden stuff about the Pharisees, right? But they don't see it, right? They think that they're okay. In their hearts, they're just fine. They don't see the hidden things where they're not okay. I think Jesus wants to show them so that they might come to a new place. Well, let's move on. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Uh, can you picture people in your mind? Oh, they, there's Bible thumpers. They, they almost hurt you with their Bible. Or they go to Mass uh, seven times a week uh, on behalf of you, right? Or, you know, they're just judgmental. Can you picture people? There are none of them here, I don't think. I, there really aren't a whole lot of people like that here. I don't know why not. You, those people are welcome to come too, right? But maybe that's, maybe that's, uh, maybe it is you. I don't know. Um, they're treating people with contempt. They're better than, or holier than thou, right? But now let me just change this a little bit to the way that the people that Jesus was talking to would hear it. Let me just, he says, he's talking to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Okay? You're thinking, that's not me. I know I'm not better than everybody else, right? Probably. But now, take off the us of righteous. Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were right. Now, who does that include? Is that you? I think it is. Raise your hand. Do you think you're right about most things and everything? If you're not raising your hand, you're lying, right? And I, I'm not, I don't say that to be mean. I think we all think that we're right. It's human nature, not that it's necessarily good. I don't think it is. But it's how we all perceive reality. What they're doing, wrong. What I'm doing is right, right. It's our natural inclination. So join the crowd. So now this is for all of us. Jesus told the parable to some who trust themselves, us, that we're right, and then hopefully we don't treat others with contempt. Let's read this parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee. You have an image of a Pharisee? He's a good guy. He's, he's the Lions Club director. Uh, he's the, you know, she is the altar guild volunteer, right? Good person. 
right? Very good person, upstanding in the community. For those, Jahari Window, it's those, you look at that person and you say, wow, they're, they're doing good, right? Pretty nice person. Unless they treat me with contempt, then they don't see those things, right? And the other one's a tax collector. You know, you've heard about, you know, sermons about this, but I was just thinking, how can you get in the heads of those that Jesus was talking to? Let me change tax collector to crack dealer. How respected is a crack dealer? Especially a crack dealer who doesn't even like the stuff. Just selling it to get money. Who cares about the destruction that it's wrecking on, on, the, on the society, right? How do you feel about those folks? Not so good, right? All right, so now you have the emotional... Uh, weight that Jesus is talking about, a really good person and a really bad person. Right? Obviously stereotypes. Jesus is doing this on purpose. Well, the Pharisee stands by himself. Oh, they go to the temple. It's the place to go to pray um, and to, to learn of God, all those things. The Pharisee is standing by himself. Right? They're both by themselves. He's way up front, right? standing by himself. And it doesn't work in English very good, but it basically says, Jesus says, He's prayed thus to himself, right? Think of that for a minute. Have you ever prayed to yourself? Like, not on purpose, but like you're wrapped up in your prayer and you realize you're just talking to yourself. It probably happens, right? You probably just kind of get stuck in your own emotions and thoughts. And that's not necessarily wrong. But here, Jesus is saying that this guy, he's not praying. He's comparing, right? He's applauding himself. And we could go through it, but he's not like these others. Is he proud? The answer is yes. Yeah. What does pride do? Makes you feel better than others. It makes you put others down, right? That's what this man is doing. He's not as bad as an extortioner or those unjust or adulterers or even that guy, that tax collector. He says, I give tithes of all that I get. Moses said, tithe of your crops. He tithes everything because he's that kind of guy. He says, I fast twice a week. Moses said, fast twice a year, but he's getting extra credit. He's a good guy, right? He's patting himself on the back and he's praying to himself. Who is his God? Himself. himself. Thank you, Ken. Well, the tax collector, the crack dealer is not like that. He is also standing by himself, but he's standing far off, way in the back, way past Ken. He's way in the back because he doesn't feel that he can come in the presence of the holy God at God's temple. He's standing far off and he would not even lift up his eyes to heaven But he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me. Literally, the sinner. He's not comparing himself. He doesn't even recognize the other people there. He is, he's calling himself the sinner. I don't know about those folks. I know I'm the one. Right? Wow. Well, this prayer is answered. But let me explain the prayer just a little bit more. God, that part's easy. Be merciful to me, the sinner. You got the sinner part. Be merciful to me. He uses a word that is very rare. Uh, you know, earlier in our service, we, we sang Kyrie Eleison, or at least that's what it's called, the title, Lord have mercy. That prayer in Greek, Kyrie, that's Lord, Eleison, have mercy on me. That prayer is all over the, the New Testament. It's the most frequent prayer to Jesus, or request, we could say. It's all over the place, which is why we sing it. God, apply your mercy to us. But that's not the word, Eliason is not the word that this crack dealer says. He uses a different word. It's, I can tell you, it's helasthemi, but it doesn't matter. The point is that word is used in a different context. It's only, it's a very rare word. 
And it's a word that would be applied to a very special place. That special place is in the temple. And in the temple there were courts, courts for Gentiles from any nation could come and pray. Courts for women and men to come and pray. And there was a place for the priest to come to offer sacrifices, burnt offerings, incense. There was a holy place. And then, then there was the most holy place. And inside that most holy place, it was empty. Except God said, I will dwell there. I will make my glory known there. One time a year, one human would go into that most holy place. It was the high priest. The high priest on the Day of Atonement, on Yom Kippur, would come into this most holy place, bringing with him the blood of one of the animals, a goat or sheep, and sprinkling that blood on this, the box, what we call the ark. And he would go in with his rope attached to him, a long rope. Why? Because if he has not cleansed himself, he would die because this is the holy place of God. They would drag him out by his rope. They couldn't go in there. It was the holy place. What's my point? This crack dealer, what does he say? me. Have mercy on me. The mercy is the same word used for that place, the mercy seat. It's the place where the ark was, where God would forgive sins from this mercy seat. And that's the word he used. Why? Because the mercy seat, it's more than just be kind to me. He's saying, atone for my sins, cover my sins, or uh, as Ken read, propitiate my sins. Y'all think that prayer was answered? Yeah, that prayer was answered. Here it's just a story, but it's more than a story because it's our story. He says, God, make an atonement for me. And then it says, I tell you, this man went down to his house right, justified, right with God rather than the other one. Well, let's flip over to the other side of the page just briefly to fill this in a little bit. I'm going to tell you about my favorite comma. Let's look at Romans 3.19. It says, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified, that is, made right in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So why is there the truth of God, what we ought to do to show us, this is that window, you know, these windows about ourselves, to show us what we really are. The law, God's law, you shall have no other gods, and you shall not commit adultery, you shall not covet, all those laws, which are just commands, just the will of God for our lives. These are shown to us where we fall short. And Think for a moment about this um, Pharisee who went up you know, to the temple, put him in this, this little two sentences I just read. Does he have an understanding about the law of God in his life? We put it like this. Let's say that this guy is a pretty good guy. And he fell into temptation, and he's starting to take a little bit of money out of the safe at work, just a little bit. Uh, he sets it aside, spends it. He does this for 20 days, 40 days, for a couple years. 
and he's dragged in. You know, he's, the boss finds out he's dragged in, and he stands before the judge, and the judge says to him, you have been stealing. You're guilty. And then he says to, him, to the judge, uh, but judge, I never, I never once beat my wife. I never once went 90 in a 35. I'm okay. And we all say, come on, dude, right? Is he guilty? He's kept every law, except that one. And that's what James, Jesus' brother, would tell us, that if you stumble in one point of the law, you're guilty of all of it. It's a unit, right? And that's what Paul tells us here. We are guilty by the works of the law, that is, by our efforts, by our goodness, we're never going to be made right with God. But let's move on. Look at Romans 3.21. It says this. But now, now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For who? Who? All who believe. For there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Comma! Is that comma important? That is the gospel comma. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's not a period. Some people share that, and that is true. It is true. We all fall short of the glory of God. As we confess in our sins, we are the sinner. As we confess in our sins, we can't free ourselves. But comma is there for a reason. It says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a heleste, I have to look it up, helestion, the same word that the, the crack dealer prayed. Have an atonement on me, have a mercy on me. Well, here Jesus Christ was put forward as that atonement, the one to cover our sins. Thanks be to God. Amen to be received by faith. Let me just end with this. Um, The last words there say, we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Not just blind faith, not just best effort faiths, but trust in this one. Like the crack dealer had faith in God's mercy, the atonement made for him that was symbolized the temple that is done for us at Jesus' cross. So I started off, we're worse than we thought the world is worse than we think, right? We don't feel all the the pain sometimes. We're immune to it. We're also better off. You are better off than you even think. Why? Because look at our last words there, the hallelujah. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do you believe that? Yeah, you ought to. Jesus came to give you the kingdom, not just to put you in your place but to bring you back to God. How did he do this? Let's look at the, uh, the Alleluia in verse. In fact, Curtis, can we sing that as, as we close the sermon? Can we stand and sing that uh, Jesus Christ is risen today? This is why it's better off for us than we even think.